Okay, it's happening. You said that I'd be conducting the interview. Hey, Everybody stay calm. I'm here so I won't get found. I'm going to take my town. It's the best sports podcast on 27th Street with your host, Little Pablo from 27. Hey, that's me. This is The Podcast. Uh, of course, beautiful number seven, episode seven, the podcast. This episode, I'm not going to lie, and uh, when we bring in my next guest, he's going to emphasize that as well. I will say, it's probably brought to you by caffeine, because I am not going to lie, I am going off a pretty strong coffee drink that I had, but that just means a lot more energy, am I right? Oh, there was a great voice crack, hopefully you heard that. Um, but anyway, welcome again to episode seven, a great, great edition of the podcast. Great guest, too, that we've got lined up, another good friend of mine. So without further ado, I am ready to introduce this person. Our guest for Episode 7 is a man that I love to describe as fun, energetic. Let's see, a couple things right over there. He currently is an outgoing senior at Michigan State University. We have a little bit to talk about there. But anyway, he also writes and is an intern for the Detroit Free Press. And yes, because he writes for... Detroit and all that, uh, the Detroit sports, he is a Detroit sports fan. On top of that, he is also the captain of Michigan State's ultimate Frisbee team. Ladies and gentlemen, Suichi Tirada, what's up, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, for the record, I've been waiting for this invite for weeks now, ever since Pablo first started this podcast, so Ooh, you sound, I finally got that. You sound bitter. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> hey, seven isn't that bad. Lucky number seven. Also, all That's of your other guests are like actual people. Well, I'm still a student, so I'll, I'll still take it. So I'll, I'll take the position I'm at now, and I appreciate being here. All right. Well, hey, like I said, you know, folks, Suichi and I, of course, we know each other through the Asian American Journalists Association, too, so that's how we met. Um, we're also co-recipients of the same scholarship from this past year with the yeah. uh, Jimmy and Sue Fong Yi scholarship sponsored by Don Yi, Tom Brady, and Jimmy Garoppolo's agent. Uh, but Suichi and I kind of have a little bit of a back-and-forth nature with each other. Uh, I'm from Chicago, he's from the Michigan area, and he is a huge, huge Detroit sports fan, which we all know, we all know, folks, is uh, Detroit sports, it's it's pretty atrocious, I will have to say that. Yeah, this this is this is right off atrocious. the bat, we're, oh my we're, goodness. We're, doing, we're doing hot takes right off the bat, Suichi, what do you gotta say, what you, what you gotta say? So, the thing is, I can't, I can't really say too much, just because Detroit sports is kind of on a down low, when... Pistons and Lions are kind of repping you guys. We're repping the city. It's it's not going too well. Obviously, the Red Wings are pretty down right now, and so are the Tigers. But I can't I can't really say too much other than the fact that the Bears haven't beat the Lions since when? It's been a minute. I forgot I forgot the numbers. And I'm, we got them coming up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Sunday, correct? So, yep, yeah, yeah. We'll this see what Sunday. Happens. Well, that's uh, the thing too will... about the Chicago. Oh, yeah. So uh, the, that's oh oh. What you guys say? I will, I, will I'll let say, I will say the Lions are there's, – there's something about the Lions that just – I just think all their fans are Massachusetts, and I just don't understand it just because just their history and everything, how they haven't won a playoff game since like 1991 or something. Oh, God. And all the calls. Being a Lions fan is probably the worst thing. And I don't – I wouldn't say I'm a Lions fan at this point in my life, but, I mean, I grew up watching them, and they just hurt me too many times. And so, oh. oh. Well, I will have to say though too is that uh, I remember watching the Monday Night Football game when they when they premiered against the Jets, and they had a pick six <laughs> in the very first play from scrimmage, and then it just went all downhill from there. I think didn't didn't Stafford throw like five interceptions or something like that, or four maybe? But 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Stafford's always good or bad for, like, one of those games every few years. He had, like, I think a few years ago against the Chiefs, where he just was awful. And then all the other times they looked good. I mean, they beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, which was really, truly the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The defense plays well, you know, the offense kind of was serviceable, I guess, and they pulled out the win against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots. But that was just, that's just the inconsistency of this year's lines. It was actually really fun to watch and just all the fans squirming and everything. But we'll see how we'll see how we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday against the Bears. You know what's interesting when you say that inconsistency is the highlight of, of your season. You know <laughs> you know you're in for you know you're in for a wild ride when you use the term inconsistency as, as almost a positive note. But I, I think you're absolutely right is that a lot of people just completely wrote off this Detroit Lions team that they probably wouldn't have won a game up until this point. And, and yet the, the NFC North is just a little out there right now. Chicago bears are at the top yeah. right now of a half game. You've got the second and third teams with, I think um, right now. Yeah. Um, Minnesota sitting at five, four and one, and the Packers are sitting at four, five and one. And then you've got the lions at, at the cellar, but still, I mean, it's not like, that somebody's running away with this division. Uh, you've got yeah. who knows? Who knows what the Lions can do? Honestly, man, who knows? Yeah, that's the thing too. The thing about the Lions is that they look good for spurts, and I mean, I mentioned that Patriots one, and they, you know, kind of just ran it down the throat of the Dolphins, who are you know a so-so team, and then they come back and lose by a couple of touchdowns to Seahawks, and they give up ten sacks to the Vikings. So you, you you just kind of see that, and I just don't see a playoff team in the Lions. And even if they did make the playoffs, I just don't think they would win a game just because. There's something about that monkey on the back about the lines. But, yeah, like you mentioned, the NFC North, I mean, you, you look at this division, and Mitchell Trubisky, I know, has been good. I actually just picked him up in fantasy in one of my leagues. Ugh, so hopefully he does I well. It wasn't in our league, um, but I know he's been playing pretty well. And, I mean, for, I believe, a second-year guy, you know, I mean, well, what more can he ask for? Um, you could probably argue that he's probably outplaying Stafford when Stafford isn't playing up to his up to his strength, I guess. And obviously that guy is a Khalil Mack, who is just uh, – I'm personally scared of that guy, and I don't play football. <laughs> so there's, there's something <laughs> about that Chicago defense. Who, you know, um, all, all, no, all the all the praise for them just because they did, they're, they're one of those defenses, the Chicago defense, that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And not just from a fantasy aspect, but from a, like a, an actual football aspect, they've been playing really well. Yeah, no, absolutely, and, and the defense has been has been great. We saw it. We saw how they did against Buffalo as well, and they they just put on the show. Uh, offense, of course, looks great, and especially since it's pass first with Matt Nagy, uh, Trubisky, I think, is doing significantly better in this new offensive system for the Bears, and it's it's really paying out. Um, I can't say that I don't know where the Bears are going to be at the end of the season, but mm-hmm. it's good to see that Bears fans are excited again. It's good to see that and. And um, also, I do have to say this. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to call anything right off the bat, but Mitch Trubisky has yet to win a divisional matchup. I'm just saying. So, Suichi, <laughs> that could happen. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm not saying it is going to happen, but I'm Feel saying. Like the forums. There's I'm a chance, fan. man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and honestly, realistically speaking, this is probably the game that you kind of want to get that first divisional win against the Down Lions team, I believe. The Lions are headed on the road this weekend too, so that that's that's a really important game for the Lions because if you lose that, sitting at three and five, I mean, you're three and six and probably outside the playoff picture, especially down the stretch. I mean, you got hard, you got tough teams like the Rams, 
and obviously you have to play the Packers again, Vikings again as well. So we'll, this is a very make-or-break week for the Lions. I don't have too much hope for them. I don't know why people do. Um, there's just there's something about this franchise that I think is cursed, which is which is a really sad thing because you look at Michigan as a stand, and you know we love our football. I mean, you look at Michigan, you look at Michigan State. There are a couple of G5 teams and everything, but you know this 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 state has been very successful football the college level and then you see the Lions who have been pretty much irrelevant since the 50s and 60s when they won all of those NFL championships so it's a shame it's the Lions I don't know there's just so much pain and sadness that comes from that program that comes from that franchise Pablo, you, you, I don't think you'll ever understand it but it's, it's a bleak situation down there at Ford Field well I do, I do remember watching a Super Bowl game being played at Ford Field I, I will say that yeah, um, what, honestly, the it's a nice venue. Yeah, I think <laughs> the Steelers played in or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want to say it was it was uh, the Steelers. It was the Steelers did play there, just uh, just having some fun, pokes of fun. Oh well, but yeah, uh, Suichi once again, huge, huge uh, Detroit sports fan, and uh, bless you, bless you for having that patience. Uh, oh my goodness, it's <laughs> well. I mean, the Detroit Pistons though, well, minus. Well, what's going what's going on currently? That's I, I don't even know what to call it. You know, just kind of going through ups and downs. Blake Griffin's looking great though, and of course Andre Drummond. But you know, I mean, when we were both uh, growing up though too, the Detroit Pistons always um, were that nitty gritty team. You know, they had they had that awesome starting five lineup with Billups, uh, Rip mm-hmm. Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, the Wallaces. Uh, those I, I always loved. I remember playing NBA Live when I first got that game. That was the team that you wanted mm-hmm. to play with on NBA Live. Yeah, and I mean, the Pistons, I mean, from a historical NBA standpoint, they're just such a great franchise. Because you look, obviously you got those starting five to go to the six Eastern Conference semi or finals. Um, they won a they won a ship in 04, but you look at the Bad Boy Pistons all those years then. By the way, the ESPN 30 for 30 on the Bad Boys, must watch. I watch oh, that at least once a month. That is one of the best 30 for 30. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And the thing is, too, you could argue that MJ would have never been MJ realistically if it weren't for the bad boy pistons so there's there's a little bit of that as well but yeah I, it's it's weird because you, i mean you say blake griffin is playing well but the thing is like blake griffin is not like a stereotypical detroit piston star because you you look at all those years back i mean you look at isaiah thomas or joe dumas or even a chauncey or ben wallace those are those grit and grind guys who are so blue collared just like the city so when you know when the when the Pistons did trade for Blake, I was kind of like, oh, this is an interesting pickup because yes, he's still a good player, but I mean this guy is kind of like the LA mindset a little bit, you know. I mean being with the Clippers for so long, so I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean he has been playing really well, he has struggled as well. I mean the Pistons are on a five game losing streak right now, <laughs> not too much to talk about did they there. Start but... off undefeated too. <laughs> yeah, they started off four and zero. Now they're on a five game losing streak. Mark and uh... I, our good buddy Mark Kim. He's from the Detroit Metro Detroit area as well. He's pretty sad about it, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's weird. This Pistons team is kind of weird. They do a lot of. They, they obviously play through Blake Griffin a lot, but they still have playmakers and all their like Reggie Jackson. But their shooting hasn't been well. There's a lot to unpack there. I won't do it right now, just because I know Chicago sports fans probably don't care about the Pistons, and I don't blame you at all. But yeah, it's just another sad example of Detroit sports when the Pistons might be their uh, their shining the shining example or their best team right now. Well, you know, I was expecting us to kind of go back and forth on Detroit and Chicago sports. And, and now after hearing <laughs> some of these bites, I'm not going to lie, Suichi, you, you, I kind of need to give you like a pat time. on the back or something like that, or be like, Hey, you know you what? It's all right, man. 
I mean, you hit us on a bad time because, I mean, the, I mean, the Red Wings went through what, 25 straight playoff appearances, and that recently broke a couple years ago. The Tigers, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we won't even talk about that. They were awful. And it's not like the Tigers have a great minor league system like the White Sox do. So it's kind of – Yes, sir. There, there's a lot – it's a lot of gloominess in Detroit right now. There's a lot of gloominess. It's kind of funny to watch, honestly. But it's it'll get better, I'm sure. They have the right people in, in mind, I, I bet. And then it'll, it'll cycle through again. But you did hit us with a bad time a little bit. I will not lie. <clears throat> Suichi Tirada talking about, uh, once again, I'll, I'll go all the way back to how you were describing the Detroit Lions and how inconsistency <laughs> is exciting for Detroit fans. Uh, and, and, and you're absolutely right, is that Detroit teams, unfortunately, you know, over the last few years, have kind of gone, gone through a little bit of ups and downs. And um, even if, you know, they're not winning every game, but they're, they're not just god-awful at the cellar, it's still it still brings people in and it still gets people excited. So yeah, inconsistencies is, uh, is uh, I'll, I'll quote you on that one and we'll go with it from there. Uh, talk about the <laughs> NBA though, too. And, and just from a more of like the bigger national thing that always catches my eye last year too, with the, the first time the NBA unveiled their great partnership with Nike to have some cool jerseys. Although in the beginning, the Nike jerseys were being ripped a lot, but yeah, they were pretty awful at the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, actually, uh, so yeah, let me let me uh, first backtrack on that one. Is that they were pretty awful in the beginning, as as you said, um, <laughs> but now they've improved a little bit. And on top of that, the other thing with this partnership too is that they unveiled what were called quote city edition jerseys. Now I remember last year when the Bulls unveiled their Chicago one based off the flag. That was super cool. That's honestly, I got I got that hoodie mm-hmm. too, where it has like the Chicago and script, and it's in the the blue and the red. Um, all of those things. So it's it's super cool. So Suichi, um, I I wanted to ask you, what do you think so far? And, and we could break. Of course, I want to break these down. What do you think about this year's edition so far? They're good. I mean, I kind of have a web page up right now of all of the jerseys, and honestly, I think it's a really cool design. They're a lot better than the sleeves of these jerseys that Adidas kept trying to push, but nobody oh, really wants God. to go for. <laughs> those are awful. Oh, I mean, yeah. I just go through Chicago. It's like you mentioned with the flag and everything. They're, they're pretty. My, I guess my one big complaint, though, is that some I, I really do think the ads kind of take away from it, especially if they're just so, like, if they just clash with the color scheme so much. Because, I mean, I'm looking at some of these. I'm looking at, like, the Bucks one, and it's, like, the Harley Davidson logo, and it's a nice, clean jersey, and it, it kind of has this, like, orange and black, like, kind of just these words right there. So that's a little bit of a shame uh, with the Nike jerseys, but, you know, money and everything. So it's okay, though. But yeah. these city jerseys, man. I mean, we need. A, I mean, let's let's get the elephant out of the room here. Miami has the best one. These Miami Moist jerseys, they're just they're beautiful. I think I'll probably grab a Dwayne Wade one soon, especially because we got the black ones this year. Yeah. Oh man. Well, well, it was actually crazy too. Well, so when Dwayne Wade was announced that he was going back to Miami um, at the at the trade at the trade deadline last year, mm-hmm. uh, th- this is uh, this was already when Miami had released their design for the Miami Vice jersey. And as soon as Dwayne Wade came back, uh, the the jerseys there there was a waiting list, and some of the jerseys <laughs> wouldn't be delivered till June. This is a uh, June yeah. of this year, but at that point, you know, this is like February, early February of this pa- of this of this year, excuse me. And everybody wanted a Dwayne Wade Miami Vice City Edition jersey, and there were just so many orders put in. I want to say traffic on the website was was up by. A crazy amount like they the Miami Heat 
online store had never seen this much traffic, and it was insane, and, and rightfully so because out of all the jerseys, those are the ones that caught my eye. I like this year's, but in comparison to last season where it was a white jersey, loved the mm-hmm. way that looked, and I'm curious. I wonder if they could have gone with a different scheme. I mean, the the black looks sharp, though, too, like where – so I'll kind of describe it here. Same Miami Vice colors. You've got you've got that blue and kind of like a like a hot pink. You've got a hot pink, so you've got that, and then it's a black jersey. Uh, the Miami script looks super super cool, um, it, and it looks sharp. Like I said, it looks super sharp. I really like the white jerseys though too, and how the colors kind of popped a little bit. Um, I wonder how it would have been like if they did an orange. Although at that point, you probably would have blinded somebody if you were dribbling down court. Um, <laughs> Which you know yeah, wouldn't have been too much. bad uh, if you're if you're on the offensive end, but or really if you're <laughs> if if it's uh, the opposition. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know they unveiled a court just for the Miami Vice jerseys, and they'll be playing on that just like Utah did last year. I know Utah didn't change up their um, city jerseys at all either, but those those are looking pretty sharp too. I love the color scheme. A lot of these honestly are very cool. Uh, I love how these alternates. Uh, I, I love how they just have alternates, honestly, because I mean. Some teams just don't really have them. I know not all of them have unveiled them, but it, it's kind of boring when you only have the same two jerseys over and over. So and I think the NBA does just such a great job in terms of marketing and everything, their players and their jerseys and the league in general. I think this is just a natural next step. And I honestly, even the, even the worst ones I love just because obviously there was some thought put into this. Absolutely. And, yeah, just some more to point out too. I I think they're – the ones that I really like, actually, the Philadelphia 76ers, their their um their thought behind everything is is incredible. Um and mm-hmm. and this is the Philadelphia 76ers paying tribute to the Rocky and Creed films. So it's super super cool with looking at this one. And on top of that too, also if you follow them, if you follow them on social media, they actually did like a whole behind the scenes thing on the entire photo shoot that they did. They went to different places in Philadelphia, including the, uh, the ring that they trained at. They also went to, it was cool. Uh, I forgot. I think it was, can't remember which player it was, but they also went to the iconic scene where, um, where Rocky Balboa was in the meat locker or the meat, the meat freezer, just, you know, using that as a punching bag. And they had yeah. one of the players in like the warmups and the Jersey and it was cool. And Ben Simmons is also in the boxing ring. Markel Fultz is at one of the restaurants that they were at. It's a really great job by the marketing team um, and a wonderful job, great design, and how they kind of made it look like a little bit of a clash between uh, boxing shorts and also basketball shorts, Going, uh, throwing the star design, too, that you see in the boxing ring, too. It's, uh, once again, job well done by the Philadelphia 76ers. Another one of my favorites. Um, I know I'm a Chicago guy, but... The one right now that I see for the Bulls, it doesn't wow me, but at the same point, I like it. I guess that's what I'll go with. It's it's consistent, I'd say, and I think it's just nice and clean. Plus, it play, pays a little bit of homage to the city and everything with the flag. So, I'm personally a big fan of it. I think it's way cooler than the Pistons one. The Pistons one's just kind of like it's just kind of bare. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing I guess like redeemable. There's nothing like super specific about it. I mean, I get it's Motor City and everything. But I've been hearing that for years. Like, at least try to change it up a bit. So, it, and also like black. <laughs> I will say black alternate alternate jerseys are kind of boring. Um, everyone kind of does them, but um, and honestly, one of my favorite ones looking at this right now is down there. I. I I always kind of love that, like, the rainbow look with the mountains and everything and the city and, like, the retro kind of throwback look. 
And so uh, getting in and that's modern twist really, I think really added to it. I think those are probably one of my favorites other than the, the Miami heat ones. Yeah, no, this is, um, yeah, yeah, this is a, a really, really cool one. Um, and uh, like you said, with the Denver Nuggets jersey, paying homage to, paying homage to the the old jerseys from back in the day. It's a nice, it's a nice touch. It's a nice touch to kind of pay that pay uh, homage once again to the cool rainbow design, like the modern feel to it too. Let's see what else. What are some other ones too, like that we're looking at? Oh, this was I. I have no idea how I didn't talk about this yet. Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, this is a this is a nice straightforward yeah. design, but. The reason why I love this one so much is because of the hype video that they made for it. Did you see this yet? No, I'm not. So the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, are are doing are doing a tribute to Prince, similar to like what the Sixers are doing with with Rocky. Instead, Minnesota Timberwolves are going with Prince, and mm-hmm. they released this super cool advertisement about Prince, uh, and it was Carl Anthony Towns riding a motorcycle through downtown Minneapolis. Uh, it's, it's dark, it's late at night. He rolls into Target Center and takes off the helmet, and then you realize it's Carl Anthony Towns, and all of a sudden you hear Let's Go Crazy by Prince, and it just gets you hyped up, especially if you're a big <laughs> 80s rock fan, which, you know, I love classic rock, and, and listening to Prince, it gets you excited. And and knowing how big of an, of an impact Prince had on Minnesota, I mean, that, that was really, really cool. And, and once again, Got me excited getting to see the jersey. The colors are sweet. It's kind of like it is like a little bit of a black, uh, but you can kind of see purple is fused into it a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. uh, once again a fusion between hot pink and purple. Looks super super cool. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please go ahead and watch the trailer for the Minnesota Timberwolves jersey unveiling because, like I said, it is insane. I love it. And that is a good point too. Just to give a little bit of love for the Timberwolves who as a franchise kind of needs it right now, obviously with everything going on behind the scenes and all the jockeying for position and Jimmy Ballmer and everything. So good for Timberwolves Wolf fans to have at least that in their pocket. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, thinking about some other things too, um, Oklahoma city paying homage to, uh, I believe, let me see just to double check. Yes, it is. It, uh, the native colors, uh, turquoise, all that looks really good to the native American heritage. This one is a really nice design too. I really like this one, and and it works well with the color scheme. Of course, they're they're sticking to those colors. I, I like that one. This one, uh, I, I, what I'll say is too the OKC how that looks. Love that. Love how the OKC looks on the yeah, chest. Yeah, I like the font. Yep, and it, I like that too. Just because OKC, I mean, with the font and everything, ever since they moved from Seattle, I think they've been kind of a little bit basic. I mean, some of their jerseys from last year with Nike were good, but throughout the Adidas era, there was really kind of like the the dark and the white, and it was, it was pretty boring. So I really like this alternate. Um, I want to ask, what do you think of the Nets jersey? With the with the it's the one with the yeah the they have the rainbow it, the digging sapphire ones the multicolor. <clears throat> I do I do what are your appreciate on this. That? I, I do I do really like this design. And um as as it says right here too, you know, they're honoring cultural diversity, swagger, and a Brooklyn icon. Um and, and it's the uh, Brooklyn camo, as it's called, and they, they want to give a shout out to Christopher Biggie Wallace, good old Biggie man. Um so yeah. I just realized I read his name just like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, yeah. it's it's a cool it's a cool homage to Biggie. It's it's nice, it's subtle. Um yeah, honestly, I I guess that that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. I know it was pretty short, but yeah, that's what I would go with. I do really like this one. The more I think about it, and um, yeah, and it's Biggie inspiration, super super sweet. What do you think? 
I, I like them. Um, I, I, I think I like the city jerseys, and I kind of mentioned this before, because it does give each city of the NBA like its own character, and I think that's something really sports franchises, at least with the big four, ha- haven't really done too much. And I think, you know, acknowledging that each of these cities, while the players might not be from there, a lot of the fans obviously care about the city, and kind of giving them some love is, is such a great move. Though I will say, some of the like the Suns one, I don't, I don't really know what they're doing here. Besides, I guess just changing up the color scheme. I'm not too big a fan of the Suns, so I guess you know, some of these aren't the best. But I, I love the concept in general. It's just it gives the NBA another little spice to it. And even though it doesn't really need it, with kind of all the drama going on between uh, teams and everything and players, but. I will I will continue to add to my take that the NBA is the best league, and no, and I, I cannot be convinced otherwise. Oh man, hot take right there, hot take. But still, <laughs> sweet man, is, yeah, is it really no, a hot take though? I feel like this true. is like all the off off court stuff, and I mean, you, you I mean, I can point to so many. I mean, you look at Game of Zones from Bleacher Report, and you just look at every single detail that there's kind of like the like the NBA culture, like NBA Twitter and everything. Like this is just. There's so much detail, so much off-the-court stuff that it's not just the on-court product, which, you know, mm-hmm. has kind of sucked in recent years with the Warriors and everything, but all the off-court stuff really adds to it. And especially with the other leagues maybe not being as transparent or, you know, with the NFL, the no-fun league and everything, mm-hmm. that's, that's my take. So I'm sure other – I'm sure, though I'm very Americanized, I don't really watch, like, international soccer too much, so I've kind of I've kind of been told by some of my soccer friends that I'm wrong, but I, I'll stick with my take for now. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, so, um, yeah, th- this is interesting, though, too, because this, um, you know, the jerseys, as you were mentioning, though, bring a really different feel. It's fun. It's cool. It gives it gives fans an even bigger sense to, you know, identify with the team and, and truly be proud of, you know, who their fandom is with. And it's a, it's a different type of marketing, too, and, and it's unique, once again. I love it. Uh, I really, really love it. And speaking of how the NBA is just kind of, Growing a little bit, talking about some potential future NBA prospects. Uh, <laughs> some guys making some debuts. Although uh, I know this is gonna, this episode's gonna premiere a little later on in the week. We still got to talk about it. College basketball just kicked off, and we saw a show between Duke and Kentucky. And Duke, my goodness, running away with the game. And I will say this: All right, I finally got what I was waiting for. Seeing Zion Williams shoot the ball. And boy, did he look yeah. good in his debut. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm wondering how many teams are going to tank to get this kid now. And obviously the lottery odds and everything is different now. But I mean, looking, watching that game last night, and I don't want, I, I will admit, I don't watch too much of Duke, Kentucky because I watched MSU, Kansas. And I got kind of, and so afterwards, after that, I was kind of like, all right, let's go check election results. I was watching it passively. But Zion Williamson, man, I mean, this kid's only six foot seven. He hit legitimate bounce. Kind of crazy to think he's only 18. He looks. And one thing too is that he just looks like an NBA ready player already. Because a lot of the times you have these, you know, these prospects who are still teenagers, but this kid looks like a, like a full goal man already, and that jumped out to me. And you mentioned the shooting. I mean, with the NBA and shifting to three point shooting and everything, if this kid can shoot it and drive it like he showed last night all throughout, you know, the college season and just kind of grow off of that, I think this kid, this kid's gonna be a superstar. And I was like, imagine like I was very impressed with what I saw last night. Well, the other thing too is that, um, yeah, he's he's great. He can drive. He can shoot. You know, you know what he's uh, capable of too. He's a he's a big body. He's strong. And the thing that I really like too is is that ball handling was amazing, and he is really good 
with his off hand. Like he is a mm-hmm. he can drive and and just has he's a lefty but has a smooth right-handed um right-handed finger roll. Like it's he just seemed really unstoppable especially on top of that let's we also need to address that uh Kentucky was actually ranked higher than Duke. And <laughs> yeah. they just they just put a smackdown. Not saying that this isn't going to be, you know, this is necessarily a nightmare situation for Kentucky, but they definitely need to step back and, and to kind of uh, reevaluate some things. But for Duke, uh, we knew that they were going to be a strong team coming into this season, and they they came to play. They really came to play. And R.J. Barrett also had a phenomenal game too. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit scary watching the supposed number four team is beat up on, you know, the preseason number two team. Like Kentucky is ranked up there for a reason. They're very talented as well. And that was probably not one of their, certainly not one of their better games, and definitely one of Duke's might be Duke's best game of the season. But that, that's a little bit scary. I mean, I, that's kind of like Alabama beating LSU last weekend. Like you, you see such a team filled with talent just, just beat up on another great team. So there's a little bit of scariness factor to it, though. I will say, I mean, it's a long season. We just started off. March Madness is still at least four months away. So the high train does need to. There's a high train, and I think. It'll cool down in the coming weeks slash months, but yeah, like you mentioned, that Champions Classic event is just so it's such it's such a great way to start off the season. I'm I'm so glad that I know they're at least extending it through 2022 or something like that. Absolutely, I I am really looking forward to that. And um, well, speaking of um, speaking of more college too, the college football playoff rankings have been released, and <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying this, although they're sitting at number four. The Michigan Wolverines, a team I always cheer for for football, is finally, <laughs> finally in the CF, the CFP rankings. Man, I'm excited. I'm sure Suichi, Suichi being a Michigan State student, but he has a little bit more of a background, or he has a little bit more of a fair say in, in Michigan State sports. But still, I am super excited about it. Suichi, how how you feeling? Do you, how how you feeling about this? Man, that Michigan defense, it's it's incredible. I mean, you look. I'm not now I've got you on tape. I've got a Michigan team. State student admitting that Michigan defense <laughs> is phenomenal. Ha! So, so for the record, I grew up a Michigan fan, and I kind of ended up here. But that Michigan team, there, there's something about it, and I think it's they look a lot like the 2013 Michigan State team in a different way, in that they kind of have like this mantra. So Michigan has the revenge tour, and it's you know this three games. So the thing is, like Michigan's coming off this three game stretch where they played, um, they played Wisconsin, Michigan State. And Penn State, and those are supposedly the three of the five best teams in the Big Ten. Other than you know Michigan and Ohio State, they they beat up on all three of them. Like none of the games were close. Michigan State was the closest game, and not the rivalry game. Mm-hmm. So this there's something about this defense, man. Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich has just been living in the backfield. Uh, Michigan just got Rashawn Gary back, obviously from injury. This defense, honestly, I I've been saying this for a while now. I'd love to watch Tua and Alabama go up against Michigan. I think that would be a great game. And the thing is, too, I think Michigan has a chance. And I don't know if that's crazy for me to say just because Alabama just looks so good, but Michigan's defense will definitely give them at least a chance in that game, and, I, and I'd love to see that. And I hope I hope the CFP standings kind of stay the same as they are now because we'll be able to watch that matchup. But Michigan, man, they look legit. And they, they kind of have, like, the, they kind of have, like, the, like the pathetic – revenge tour going for them so we'll, we'll see how the rest of the cfp season goes but i guess what do you think about the cfp ranking so far i you know i i i know michigan needs to win out to to stay mm-hmm. in this spot there's there's nothing that's guaranteed i mean we even saw it too with the alabama lsu win now that lsu has lost to alabama they're done there's no way they're going to come back mm-hmm. um 
I, I of course I would have loved to have seen LSU in that, but I think that the committee is definitely doing a solid job. Like this, this is pretty solid. You got Alabama, Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame, and Michigan. I think that is, of course, seeing Michigan in there is something that I'm ecstatic about. Uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame to see them in there. I, I'm sure Fighting Irish fans are beyond excited. You, and the thing about number one is that too with Alabama, it never surprises me. Alabama, and we, we, I think everybody can kind of come to a general consensus. Alabama is just such a well-oiled machine. You know, it's it's like they're like the New England Patriots of college football. That's exactly mm-hmm. how I always describe them. It's just they're just you know they're a well-oiled machine. They get the job done. They don't necessarily do it in the fanciest way either. They just they go out there. They play the game. They have great lockdown defense a solid offensive game, and you can throw any quarterback in that system and they would succeed with flying colors. You And we've seen it. And we see the guys that go from Alabama to the league, um, and, and they, they do fine. They have good NFL careers, but they don't have anything, at least from off the top of my mind, that they like go out and, and just excel like there's no other. That That's the thing. But you think about these good quarterbacks that go under that, um, that type of offense and get the job done. That's basically how I would describe Alabama. So, Hands down, as long as Nick Saban is doing what he's doing, he's got that staff running that tight ship, there's no way they're ever going to give up that number one. That being said, you never know what's going to happen in the games, but I think we kind of get what I'm getting at is that Alabama is always going to be a dominant team, I think. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, like we haven't seen a great Alabama quarterback, and I think the best in the Saban era might be some guy like A.J. McCarron. You know, he was like a fourth-round pick. He wasn't anything great in the NFL. But now you have Tua, man. This this kid is so good. And we saw that's that in the national championship game last year. So it, it should be a fun rest of the season. Um, honestly, right now it feels like all the other three teams in the rankings, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan, are kind of fighting for that number two spot, which is just, which is just crazy to think about just because Alabama is really on – its own stage, but really for the first time in I don't know how long, we're really talking about the Alabama offense, not the Alabama defense, which is, which is kind of weird to think about just because in the past when Jalen Hurts or somebody was in charge of the offense, they were kind of dragging the defense down now, but you're hearing a lot more for, you're hearing a lot more hope for Tua and Alabama. So we'll see how it goes. Like I mentioned, Alabama offense versus Michigan defense. I think I would pay good money to watch that money. I don't have because I'm a college student, but I'm, I'm really excited to see, how the rest of the season plays out because the thing is too like if Georgia wins out and somehow beats Bama in the SEC championship game like it it, it adds a whole other wrinkle in terms of what are what's playoff committee going to do because realistically right now like it's a, it's pretty easy um to come up with a top four you got three undefeated teams and you got Michigan and Michigan's one loss is to Notre Dame on the road for the game of the season like we and joke you know people that because of that reason too I yeah, know that's, yeah yeah yeah. So it, we talk about quality losses a lot, but that's you know like that's as quality of a loss as you're gonna get because it was a good game beginning of the year. But uh, like you mentioned, like Michigan really does have to win out, and I, I think this is an interesting dilemma for Michigan State fans. And I've kind of been talking to some people that Michigan State plays Ohio State this weekend, and so if Michigan State beats Ohio State, then Michigan automatically pretty much has the Big Ten East locked up, and they'll most likely play an inferior Big Ten West team. So they're most likely had the Big Ten championship game lineup, but if Michigan loses to Ohio State still and they have that second loss, history has shown that like the playoff committee doesn't put anybody, even if you're the Big Ten champion, even if you're the conference champion, if you have that second loss, you're not going to make the top four. So it's 
it's it's kind of it's it's a weird game. Um, I'm not really sure how fans feel about it, but it's not a nice little wrinkle. It keeps Michigan State kind of relevant, even though they haven't been great this year, which is great for me, I guess. But yeah, man, I, I love college football. I think I think it's way better than the NFL. That's another take for me, but that might just be because I cover it. But I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? I I think um yeah no of course there's there's nothing that really kind of catches that that overall feel um like unless you're in a college football stadium like I've I've gone to I've gone to a game at the big house and that environment it's it's just something else and and so and you're absolutely right though too is that um it it's a big daunting task for Michigan too to win out and that that's got to be a big thing too for them and I'm looking right now at a bunch of statistics and. Uh, I know. I mean, I, I got to bring it back a couple years ago too, or yeah, a few years ago. Michigan was was in a similar position, but then they ended up losing to Penn State late in the season. Wilton Spate went down with an injury in that game, and I believe that was, I think that was the 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 big stage for Saquon Barkley, if I if I'm not mistaken. I could uh, could be out there, but anyway, um, Michigan kind of had a little bit of a collapse towards the end of the season. They looked great. They were dominant. They were undefeated up until. They they had that game with Penn State, and then they ended up losing to Ohio State. So they lost the last two out of the three games, and that Penn State was a big one uh, because Penn State wasn't ranked at the time. I think Penn State actually ended up making making it to the Big Ten uh, championship that year, and um, or or they no, you know what? I'm sorry. They 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 competed. They they just basically competed uh, in the Big Ten a, a whole lot towards the end of that season. But once again, after after all that, you know. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, on the ESPN matchup predictor, Michigan only has, and it's still they still have a good chance, but only a 55.4% chance of winning this game because it's at Ohio Stadium. That's a daunting task. Mm-hmm. If Michigan, if Michigan kind of goes like topsy turvy right now, that's a big one for Michigan to get a win at Ohio Stadium. In in fact, they haven't even beaten Ohio State over the last few years. It's been a very long time since, uh, not very long actually. Let me go back on that. It's been a little bit. It's been a few years since. Michigan has beaten Ohio State. Oh, and to yeah. do that, I mean, you, that that'll yeah. be a big one. <laughs> you hear about it all the time with Jim Harbaugh is that he can't be his rival. And that's the thing, too, is that I honestly expected Michigan State to be Michigan this year just because D'Antonio has this kind of magic that he uses. And I think he tried to use it a little bit and it was tied 7 7, but he still, Harbaugh still beat Michigan State and pretty soundly 21 7. So I think, I just keep thinking it's Michigan's year. Um, and uh, like you mentioned, like it's been a long time since Michigan has beaten Ohio State, and I believe that was the year when uh, Ohio State only won six and six in their sanction, and that was the uh, and, and so that was a down year for Ohio State, and they were kind of in transition years between Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer, and once Urban Meyer gets through, he goes twelve and zero, and the whole the Urban Meyer train goes along for better or for worse, as we know now. But yeah. I, I just and another thing too is that you know magic predictions has fifty five percent chance for Michigan is but Ohio State has looked very vulnerable these last two weeks and I mean mm-hmm. blowout loss to Purdue and that then, was you big. know they barely speak by Nebraska home which is just insane so it's I'm um, I'm really excited for the game but obviously we first have to see how Michigan does um, like you mentioned there, there was that one year twenty sixteen Michigan kind of collapsed I think they were lost. Three of their last four games, and it was by like nine combined points, I think. Um, and they kind of fell out of a big time contention there. And that was probably thus far. We don't know what's going to happen this year. But Jim, Jim Harbaugh's second year in that 2016 year was really his best team. But honestly, this this team might surpass that just because he has a good quarterback now. Shea Patterson's great. 
he he is. There's been so many times when either he's thrown a good ball, or he's kept it on the option. He has another element to the game, another dynamic to the game that I don't think we've seen out of a mission quarterback in a while. Because maybe a Devin Gardner, maybe a Denar Robinson, but that's way back and not way back, but in the early 2010s. So we'll Quality see. Quality um, threat for sure. <laughs> yeah, and just it. I I don't know if Shea Patterson is going to stay next year because he might elect for the draft because he is having a great year in a Harbaugh system. You know, Harbaugh has kind of been touted as his quarterback whisperer. So it, it should be fun. I think I th- I definitely I definitely think that this is Michigan's year. I just and I just think there's no way at this point. Absolutely, and Shea Patterson too. Um, Shea Patterson is just the quarterback that Michigan needed over the last few years too. You know, Wilton Spate kind of. Was, was inconsistent, unfortunately, and now I know he's at UCLA. I haven't gotten to keep up with him over there, but at the same point, Shea Patterson is, for sure, you know, he's he's great. He can scramble, he can run, and that's the other thing, too, is that that's what Michigan kind of lacked was a quarterback that, that knew how to react under pressure situations. Uh, and th- that was the big thing, too, is that he's a good passer, but he could also run. I'm looking at the stats right now. Uh, 67%, 67% on his pass completion. 14 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns and three interceptions. Quarterback rating is insane right now. We're 157, 157.1 is his QBR. That's his QBR right now. <laughs> yeah. And also his rushing stats too, 51 attempts, 187 yards, two rushing touchdowns. But I will say this, the longest rush he has is 81 yards. That's a lot for a quarterback. I will just say that. Yeah, Uh Shea Patterson was just such a great pickup from Ole Miss. Obviously, with everything going on down there in SEC, uh, with Ole Miss and everything. But when he when he got that NCAA waiver granted and everything, I kind of I kind of knew a little bit like this might be Michigan's team. Because another thing too is that Michigan was such a young team last year. They went yes, they went eight and five, and yes, they lost. You know, all the big all the good teams. I mean, they lost Wisconsin, they lost Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and they lost to South Carolina in the bowl game. They were still so young last year, and you heard that all the time. And their defense last year was so great. I mean, you still had Chase Bonovich, you still had Rashawn Gary, you still had Lavera Hill out there. And they, they became a year older. And after Michigan kind of – and once once they got their quarterback and their, once their offense didn't lag behind so much, their defense – because a lot of times last year, their defense would play lights out, but their offense is going to do anything. So now you have a competent offense. You still have one of the greatest defenses, maybe in college football ever. I'll say that. They just look so dominant. And now you have kind of this perfect storm going for Harbaugh. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I keep saying it. I just think it's their year. And it's weird to say this, covering Michigan State, I guess. But I don't really care how the Spartans do at this point. But it's, it, it'll, be good for the, it'll be good for the state of Michigan. I think, I think Michigan needs a winner right now. As we, as we talked about with Detroit Sports a little bit uh, earlier in this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed right there. You and me both, Suichi, on, uh, on the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> Hopefully they could pull that out. Uh, gone through years and years of heartbreak, especially, like I said, that 2000 and, that uh, that 2016 season, man, that, With that the hurt. With the Barrett spot and everything. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm just going to say it, and I tell everybody this, and they, they're like, you sound really bitter about this. And Well, you want to know what? It's because I am. Because the ball <laughs> needs to cross in order to get the first down. And that... Would have been insane. I remember watching that game too. My dad, um, my dad and I actually. This is when I was in Los Angeles uh, for my um, 
for my co-op uh, semester with uh or yeah my yeah my co-op semester with the uh, with the Dodgers uh, over my senior year in college. My parents were out there because it was Thanksgiving weekend, so they came out to see me. And my dad and I went to watch the um, this game at a sports bar. It was also eight in the morning, and this this sports bar in Los Angeles was a. Uh, you know, just packed with people because this was a Michigan bar and, and the game was at noon Eastern time. So we're just getting ready. Oh, uh, we're, we're, we're waiting in line to go into a bar at 8 a.m. <laughs> it was a great time. Uh, minus, of course, what the result was. But just especially as things got closer and closer to the fourth quarter, um, you you saw that 20-yard field goal or maybe it was like 30, somewhere around there. But that, that short field goal that Ohio State had is a chip shot and then it just goes wide. We all, Everybody just went nuts. <laughs> Um, the fact that they went into overtime, Michigan scores, and it's it's just like it's such a back and forth thing. Wilton Spade also had a a huge fourth and goal uh, conversion into the end zone. That was insane, uh, and and we we were just you know ecstatic. And and unfortunately, like I said, the result did not end up what we thought it was going to be like because of the vibe. But it just kind of brings back before the JT Barrett spot and then touchdown run uh, that. This felt this felt really good. It felt really good to see Michigan football in this position. So uh, I am being cautiously optimistic because of what I experienced a few years ago with um, or a couple years, yeah, a few years ago with uh, Michigan football. And uh, other than that, though, once again, just keeping our fingers crossed for sure. So yeah, uh, yeah. oh no, go for yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah, like you mentioned, um, that that Michigan Ohio State game was so great, but it got overshadowed by that JP Barrett spot. That's kind of what I say about that. That uh, the <laughs> you're gonna hate me for bringing this up, but the 2015 MSU Michigan game uh, with Jalen oh, Jackson, no, no. Uh, Rangers 420, as Bernard Antonio called it. Um, that was a great game, and I I watched it a few times, not because of the ending, just because it was great football. But I mean, Aaron Burbridge versus um, Jordan Lewis all game. Connor Cook had a good game. You know, it that was a great game. Then the fumble happened, and so that. So it's a little bit of a shame, though, you know, a class game like that. It, it kind of gets washed away by one <laughs> one play. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Um, the, and the that guy was, who became a was... meme out of it because of that play? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he, 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 I know he got to go to, like, ESPN, like, SBS or whatever, and, like, got to meet D'Antonio. He's doing fine. A lot of my friends go to Michigan, and they, they've met the guy, which is really weird, and he always poses. I don't feel one bad. I don't feel so. Is he like a celebrity? I, if I were him, I would pay. I would like if people request, be like, "Yep, that'll be that'll be five dollars, and then I'll do it." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he is. I know. I, I've seen like a year after that play. I've seen so many of my Michigan friends like post on Instagram with this kid, and I'm like, "Oh, apparently this kid's a celebrity now." Um, I think it was a freshman too. So <laughs> it was a freshman oh, awesome. too, my age. So people like lift like a floor below him or something like that. <laughs> that guy's like the king <laughs> I have of no campus now. That guy. Yeah, hey, that's like the LSU girl who, you know, was glaring at the camera. On how the Athletic did a, a great story on her. I, I love those stories just because of how absurd it is that people reach, you know, kind of like this meme that is on campus just because of this, like, two-second clip or something from ESPN or CBS or anything like that. So, <laughs> you know what that fun. kind of College football is fun. That, that, that like actually, that. speaking of um, looking at the camera, just becoming a meme sensation, another one that reminds me of it, was a college world series a couple years back and it was it was a kid that kept staring at one of the dugout cameras and the dugout camera just got him they got him perfectly and he was uh he was making faces he was dancing he was having this staring contest with uh with with the uh with the camera and it was hilarious and and he was (laughs) dialed in the kid was not going to give up he was relentless and it was hilarious 
Yeah, oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments out of there. Oh, uh, well, yeah, no, well, should be fun. College sports are great. Love it. Looking, uh, looking forward to, looking forward once again to college hoops starting up for the Bradley Braves. They actually start uh, as we record this. They're uh, they're starting tonight. I'm also wearing a Bradley Braves shirt. So go Braves! <laughs> looking forward to Missouri Valley hoops because I was actually talking to somebody about this last night because of the way runs that Wichita State the way that runs uh, Loyola did last year too, of course, you know, the Missouri Valley conference is, is, um, I don't even know how to describe this right now. Uh, the Missouri Valley conference, you know, is making a big name for itself too with, with these teams that are making big runs. Um, it, it's not a fluke. It's, it's not a fluke. And it's really great once again to see, you know, these, these smaller schools, you know, and it makes me proud too. So hopefully, Bradley or you know what ISU Loyola those are the three big teams for sure that I'm taking that I'm keeping a lookout actually Southern Illinois too is is also looking great I know Suishi that I'm not sure how much you dabble into Missouri Valley Conference (laughs) basketball necessarily but on my side it's uh it is exciting and and to get to see smaller (laughs) schools potentially uh prevail in this situation it's it's amazing it's really cool yeah it's great I mean obviously Loyola last year made it all the way to final four I think I believe Michigan kind of ruined that but it's great watching all these smaller schools I mean, and I say this, um, and I say this, uh, and I can say this because I was still a freshman at the time, but I say this when I was a Michigan State fan my freshman year, and Sparty got upset by Middle Tennessee State, which was just crazy. But, oh, my goodness, uh, that's right. Cinderella stories, yeah, yeah. That was a big uh, one. No, yeah, everyone remembers that one. But, yeah, I mean, I love watching these smaller schools. I really think college hoops should be like that, the Loyola's of the world. Um, all these smaller schools getting a chance to do something. It, it gets boring when Duke, Kentucky, you know, or Kansas won it. It's just it's boring when the Blue Bloods won it again. There's no fun in that. I love watching a Loyola. I actually had a buddy um, I went to high school with. He's a manager for the basketball team, for Loyola's team. So, like, I would, like, see him on Instagram and stuff, and he would just be posting about being in, like, all these places, you know, just being blessed by this run, really. So, it, it's great. I mean, I have a lot. I actually have like a couple of random friends who go to Loyola, um, just because they are in Chicago and we're so close in Michigan, and they end up there. So I would hit them up, and they were they were just they were just so happy. So I I don't keep up with Missouri Valley hoops that much. What I'm, I'm are you kidding me? Okay. I'm you hoping that's okay to admit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, hey, if they make some noise, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Don't you worry. That's, boy, that's what I like to hear. Jumping, I'm just jumping on a. I love jumping on a small school bandwagon. It's too much fun. There we go. And bra- there we go. And brackets can always brackets can always uh, go to hell. I don't really. Care. <laughs> I always make one. I always make one, and then it always goes bad, and I'm always kind of like, whatever. It's fine. I remember uh, uh, last year, one of my friends. Uh, he he wanted to get back into. It. He he always followed University of Illinois basketball too when he was younger. Uh, kind of. Kind of got away from it for the last few years and then brought it back last year, filled out a bracket. He's like, yeah, that's my first time filling out a bracket, too. So guess who his champion was? The University of Virginia, baby. Oh, no. That's brutal. <laughs> oh, so we let him that's have it. We brutal, we let man. him have it. We're like, out of all years, your first bracket that you ever fill out, you go with the team that is the best overall, the number one of the number one seeds. And they lose to the 16 seed for the first time at NCAA history. Oh, that kid, that guy oh. needs to stop filling out brackets. He's one and done. <laughs> He's one and done there. Oh, my God. Oh my That's goodness. brutal. Poor God. Hopefully he didn't yeah. put any money on that. But no, no. This was that, all I for mean, fun. Okay, that's good. I mean, that was a great game, too. You, you look at UMBC. You look Absolutely. at what the social media guy was able to do with the Twitter. Like, that's awesome. That's, that's, 
that's what college hoops and March Madness should be about. It shouldn't be about Duke and Coach K winning again. That's boring. It should be about it should be about those small schools. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. Once again, a lot of exciting things. College football uh, wrapping things up. NFL season is in mid swing. And uh, you know what? I, another thing that I want to talk about, though, too. Oh, yeah, by the way, NBA, of course, um, as we mentioned, uh, looking good. And it's a great start to the season. Uh, well, we're kind of, yeah, we're still near the start of the season. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I want to point out that's heating up that a lot of people don't realize, winter meetings for Major League Baseball are slowly around the corner. And free agency yeah. just starting this weekend. Was reading some a bunch of stuff. Well, one, I will say this, that uh, I just saw a recent report, too, that Bryce Harper declined a 10-year, $300 million deal from the Washington Nationals resign. How much money do you think he's going to get? Will, you know, I really don't know. <laughs> but the question is, is he going to be the $400 million man? I, I don't know yeah, if he I mean, will, but he's going he's gonna to get something good. Yeah, I, I know he's only 26. I, I kind of hate – I kind of love the name how baseball does it and with the whole – the whole minor league system and the whole, you know, arbitration and everything. It kind of screws over the player. But, I mean, you know, obviously with Bryce Harper, go get as much money as you can. And this is coming uh, – I mean, I remember when Scherzer, uh, he was offered, I think, six years, $144 million uh, for the, uh, the Tigers offered him that. And then he got seven years, 210 from the Nationals. So, you know, who knows? He might get way more than $300 million. And people will be like, well, that's just like unnatural – this is a natural thing. Go go where the go where the go where the bread is, and um, obviously got guys like Manny Machado hitting the free agency. How much do you think he's going to get to? There are a lot of like interesting names. Well, well, you know, I um, I don't know what they're going to be making, but you, I know who is specifically interested in these two teams, and I got to say it, my boys, my Southside boys, <laughs> Rick Hahn has said the front off the White Sox front office one, they're willing. They are going to spend a lot of money in this offseason for free agent signings. I'm excited for that. Um, they are <laughs> extremely interested in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. If the White Sox pull that off, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be like Christmas for the entire MLB season for me. Honestly, <laughs> uh, if Bryce, if you get Bryce Harper and Manny Machado on the same team, I don't even think I could get them on MLB the Show in the same team. That's how hard it is with these two guys. Oh my um, goodness! But yeah, that's to, a bold if, move. Both of them. That oh jeez, that would be crazy. That that would seriously be something. Um, but honestly, I, I'm really excited though too that the White Sox are making this type of step. They have a great youth. Uh, they have that great development. Um, and the guys I really want to see, though, too, are some veteran pitchers. Although the White Sox pitching rotation is, looks great already, I want to see somebody I, – I would like to see Dallas Koichel, uh come to come to the White Sox. I think the Sox have a decent chance at proposing something for him. I know J.A. Happ and uh, another another starting pitcher someone else they're looking at. The guy I really want the White Sox to get, I'm not sure if they're, they're heavily talking to him, is Andrew Miller. I think Andrew Miller, hmm. f- formerly from Cleveland, hitting free agency – I would also love to see Tiger. Andrew Miller. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, all the way to the Mickey trade. I'm like, oh, eight. That was 10 years ago, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, it is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's it's nice, I will say. Uh, I mean, I grew up a Tigers fan and everything. And they, it, Tigers, historically, the last you know, 10 years when they were competing, they would spend a lot of money. But it is kind of – it is interesting hearing from, like, a Chicago fan, like, how much money they're going to spend because, like – it, it's not quite like that for you know some of these smaller markets like a Cleveland or Cincinnati or Milwaukee. Oakland, or yeah, too. Like, yeah, Oakland. I mean, Oakland. Oakland's kind of a weird story because I actually 
funny story. Um, when I was in Nashville this summer, I covered a little bit of the Sounds, which is a AAA affiliate. So I, I would like interview some of these players, and they would be like, they you know they would be on A. So it was just, it's not necessarily like a funny story, but like a nice little fun fact. Like it, it was it was interesting because you know I had to go to minor league baseball games and then their AAA prospects and stuff. So it, it was cool. It was cool. Oakland is weird though, just because they're so successful with so little money. It makes no sense. Money it doesn't ball, make man. any sense. We saw it. Oh, Brad Pitt. Moneyball too. <laughs> That's a good Brad movie. Brad Pitt, man. Mm-hmm. But um, hey, man. Um, I, I do, I do like MLB though because there is no salary cap. I mean, you look at it now. I mean, I remember when the NBA had their big spending spree. I want to say like 2015. That NBA free agency class with like Timothy Moskov and like Joe Kim Noah and everything. Like they were getting a lot of money. And then you compared it to the MLB, and it was like some guy who was like a league average pitcher getting like four years to simulate dollars, and everyone was like, wait, what the hell? And I'm like, wait, it makes sense because, you know, MLB is weird because you have such a long process like before they're free agents, and then the free agents, once they are free agents, they're able to get so much money. So I think the no salary cap thing, obviously you have so many more games, there's a lot of revenue. So it's, baseball's, I love baseball, but I, there's kind of like a good and a bad, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at with the free agency process for MLB because it is so different compared to, I want to say, you know, football or basketball. Well, absolutely, and um, only time will tell. And and the big thing too, when I was reading about the MLB free agent race, is that it's it's exactly like the regular season. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you don't have to sign a deal right away. You you want to try to work things out. So I'm really excited, and that and that's a big thing too. Usually we don't see big signings until. At least what I can remember, sometimes after Thanksgiving, or you get an unorthodox situation like last off season, where big names weren't even getting signed until like spring training. It was, yeah, it was a yeah, very yeah, yeah. interesting time. So yeah, yeah I mean, but, when, um, did Jake, when did Jake Arrieta sign? It was like I forgot. Arrieta what it was like signed spring training. He was he was mid uh, right either right before spring training or or in the yeah. middle of it because yeah, Philly Philly finally late. came up with that offer. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I remember reading articles about, you know, players and stuff being kind of mad that they weren't getting offers. But, I mean, you look at guys like you, Darvish, who really unperformed. And I, and I hate saying this because I'm Japanese and I love Darvish, but he, you know, he basically put up a dud in the World Series for the Dodgers and a dud for the Cubs. So, you know, it, it, it sucks for these pitchers, especially if they're not getting paid as much. But you can't really blame the teams, I guess, for not signing players who aren't going to be, who, you know, who have legitimate red flags to kind of watch out for so mm-hmm. that's a little bit of shame too i feel, feel so bad for darvish yeah yeah basically you know it's a big investment for the cubs who kind of fell flat on their faces after a few of these big investments and they they went from leaning the division to getting knocked out of the wild card race within just a few days um it, it's crazy so you know you got that type of investment where they get you darvish and they're paying all this money and the guy's not even pitching this year because of a because of a big injury so that's the thing. That's the thing. So we'll keep an eye out for that. But uh, heading into the final sport, is, uh, I know, Suichi, you've got uh, you've got ultimate Frisbee practice you need to get to. So, uh, yeah, well, yes. Uh, so uh, I'll make sure that you get to that really soon. But I do want to say uh, one more sport, too. And he actually touched on it very briefly. You touched on it uh, or a little earlier. Just one second. Oh, shoot. I accidentally declined a call. Whoops. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is work. I need to call them back in a few minutes, <laughs> but I do want to say real quick to coach Quenville, 
I just want to say thank you, thank you so much for everything, for everything for Coach Quenville. Unfortunately, the, the Chicago Blackhawks parted ways with Coach Quenville, and I just want to say thank you, thank you so much for the Chicago Blackhawks. And finally, of course, um, I just want to ask you, Suichi, did you have fun on this show? Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was honestly a lot of fun. Um, shout out to Pablo Iglesias again for his new job, newish job now. I know he's been doing some stuff for it. I love it. I love the offer surfaces. I think people, <laughs> I really appreciate the good offers for him. So you can't really go around there. But yeah, thanks for having me again. Um, hope to do this again. Podcasts always are a ton of fun. But yeah, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Well, Suichi, it was a pleasure having you, of course, on the show as well. And a nice back-and-forth banter nonetheless, too. But thank you again for being such an awesome guest. And I know you got to go to um, – I know you need to go to Ultimate Frisbee practice, so I will let you go. And with that, I will have to say, folks, wraps things up here with another edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, please keep giving us some uh, love on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, don't forget to hit up the voicemail, too. Really, really appreciate that. That number is 312-899-6875. Once again, that number is 312-899-6875. In the meantime, folks, thank you again for so much love, so much support, and listening to the podcast. Always enjoy bringing you some great ones. But for now, folks, and I'd just like to say this, make today the best day of your life.